Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hampler and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick. And gents, quite a come down from Sunday night, this show. Uh, it's rubbish, man. It's so boring. It's so boring. It's so flat. If you stack up the rosters against one another, the greatest thing Vince McMahon ever did was get born earlier. <laughs> born earlier than Tony Khan. Their market visibility their reach, their ability to somehow not hemorrhage the entire audience is literally the only thing they have going over AEW is their history, their established market presence, because in terms of star power, quality, buzz, audience belief, excitement, there is no comparison between these two products. And I'm sorry, we are a mainstream wrestling outlet. We don't cover the likes of Dragon Gate, Noah, um, and the like. It's just what we do. We're a mainstream news outlet. As it so happens, we cover AEW and WWE primarily. Mm. It's becoming impossible to watch one promotion in the immediate wake of another. This has been the case almost since AEW's inception. By the way, I wrote a goddamn article before AEW formed, or just as AEW formed, saying the secret myth about WWE's competition. Everyone's going, oh, it's going to be great this for competition. It's not 996 anymore. They're not going to do anything. There's, the structure isn't in place. Vince McMahon's completely lost it. People are saying, oh, how do you think WWE's going to respond? They're not going to. They're incapable of responding. And what you get is just a drab, drab, boring roar. The lead on the old tricks. Our Kofi Kingston gets a reaction, and he's a machine. All right, he can go an hour. Oh, great. I haven't seen these. <laughs> Seriously, on the back of last night's performance, in addition, it was 2019 run, in terms of how long he's been there, how many WWE hours of television have been accrued since Kobe Kingston was there, has he been in the ring longer than any other WWE performer ever? I mean, it's got to be yeah. way up there. It's got to be way up there, isn't it? If you think just about singles matches with Dolph Ziggler, if you don't even count these gauntlets, it's got to be <laughs> I, it's just, yeah, like we've got to start with the comparison of this of all episodes. We have to start with the comparison. You remember when when sort of New Japan was peaking around, I would say like 2015, 16. And I say that from like lived in experience because it was when I had no choice, but it's like, like look over there and see what was going on. And like there was, a, and I will like admit to being part of this, this kind of like belief in like the American wrestling audience that it was just simply too hard to get into. Or like when Lucha Underground was making some genuine headlines for doing things differently. And it was like breaking a lot of the established rules of how wrestling should look. Or Final Deletion, even Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy's first one. I was like, this is just not what we've seen from wrestling before. And how can we like adjust our thinking a little bit to see, see it for all its amazing benefits. That's like coming to Raw after All Out 2021. <laughs> like, I genuinely don't think that's... Exactly, to be honest, that's like coming to Raw most weeks after Dark Elevation at this point. But especially after All Out last night. Like, 
JR and Excalibur, like and Tony Schiavone, just line after line after line of making it clear. But one is where pro wrestling lives now, and the other is whatever the, this wants to call itself. I don't even know what you call this. Like, this isn't sports entertainment. Like, it's been a dirty sports entertainment. It's like this filthy phrase over the last like 30, 40 years. But I guess he's got two thumbs and like sports entertainment. This guy, I, I didn't like Raw. Like, I never liked Raw. And this wasn't <laughs> even the worst of Raw's. I've had two weeks off watching Raw. I don't think this was the worst episode of this year by a long chalk. I, I, it was impossible to emotionally invest in it. Impossible. I said this wasn't <laughs> still a line from old Roman Reigns. This wasn't a good episode of Raw. This wasn't a bad episode of Raw. This was a, an episode of Raw. <laughs> is what it, was. it was just there. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys are aware. Vince McMahon was not backstage for this show. He was at home, obviously still pulling the strings. Bruce was in charge. It's probably why we got so much bloody tag team wrestling on this show. This is a Paul Heyman special episode of all this. <laughs> Guess what? That wasn't any good either. Mm. It's just, just speaking of this, uh, a friend of ours came around last night, a uh, wrestling fan, and she had heard or seen all this buzz online about Adam Cole, about Brian Danielson, et cetera, et cetera, and all about AW off the back of All Out Naturally. And uh, she was chatting about it. And, you know, we talk about getting casuals into it. And I said, I'll show you something. I'll show you something from, from last night. Because she said to the line she said to me was, so is AEW not like PG WWE? Like, not as in, not a PG version of WWE, but with a PG product that WWE produces. So I put the cage match on for her. No. And she pretty rapidly realised, no, it just does mint stuff and has great matches. And yeah, maybe pushes the boundaries for certain things, but... Yeah, it is night and day when you... I realise I'm comparing a pay-per-view to a weekly TV show, but you could compare the weekly TV show to this weekly TV show and it'd still be night and day. Anyway, let's let's talk about this show because we've got tag team turmoil to get into. The show started with little video packages of each person cutting a promo about how they're going to win tag team turmoil and be the ones to face RK bro going forward. Uh, nice uh, nod from Xavier Woods at the beginning saying it's tag team turmoil, baby. Lovely that. Um, they said they're going to win because New Day rocks. Viking Raiders are going to raid the entire division tonight. Mansoor's very giddy. Mustafa Ali tries to calm him down, just says, follow his lead. Lucha house parties say it's Lucha time. And Mace, the team bar says you're going to be six more victims tonight. That's what's happened. That was a fat uh, Jinder Mahal and Via. Bond opens vagina from South Park again on Mason T-Bar and say, nobody move. Vera, Vera uh, says something and Ginger translates saying that means they're going to be the next tag team champions. And AJ Styles says, oh, spunky brain himself. They're being in charge of nothing. They can't do nothing. Them do it, boys. Uh, they're going to take the titles back, basically. Uh, anyway, how comes RK Bro? Um, they do a video package. Of course they do. It's Monday Night Raw. they got to fill some time. Uh, recapping what happened last week. Uh, and Orton says, Bobby Lashley and MVP lost because Lashley's a greedy son of a bitch. And uh, he's going to find out uh, tonight who's going to lose to RK Bro next. And Riddle does some comedy running over the teams and saying, uh, Randy, here's the things we should steal. I like uh, going on raids and Luchester drink ale and Orton looks like he just I mean he's just a just despises him but it's a great little story to be told uh, and he, he puts Orton over saying he has never had a carb in his life anyway out comes Lashley and MVP MVP tells Riddle to shut up and Orton goes 
hey, no, only I get to do that, basically. Uh, Lashley says he wants to rip Orton's head off for giving him an RKO last week. He calls him a coward, challenges him to a singles match, and Orton says, yeah, all right, I'll do that. If you put your title on the line, the crowd loves it, and MVP accepts, but at Extreme Rules, Lashley said, you know what, I am a greasy bitch. Um, and he was going to speak to Postman Pierce and Sonia Deville so they could be added to this tag team turmoil match and he could still become a New Day champion, uh, a new day, uh, double champion, sorry. I mentioned the New Day because they come out next and Byron Saxton says, my heart just turned into a smiley face emoji and I already get very sad and long for All Out 2021. Uh, Casey gets on the mic now and says, we better hurry up because they're about to start right now. And Woods reminds them that, oh, you know, I beat, you, beat Lashley a few weeks ago. Uh, and we're about to become tag team champions once again. Uh, effectively, a different version of a promo train to start this week off, Sige. Aye, it's a long train. Bloody long train, including the pre-tapes and everything else. Look, they didn't have to do this. All they had to do was tell you there's going to be a tag team turmoil match. Fine. Then maybe do the angle. I don't know. This is also all over the goddamn place. A lot of talking... They're trying to build your Extreme Rules title match around a goddamn time sink of a gauntlet or a turmoil or whatever the hell it is. So that was irritating. Two things popped me, you know, during this. Two things. AJ Styles saying that you wouldn't put Riddle in charge of a vending machine. <laughs> good line. Good line, because, of course, you don't need to man a vending machine. It's automatic. So that was good. You know what, Riddle, like, he's got something about him. This act has got something about it and the snake and Stallion Express. Like an actually good visual gag of that tit riddle wearing one of those comedy horse masks mm. wasn't a bad thing to think about. <laughs> it's the nicest thing I can possibly say. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, let's get out of the way now. Kofi Kingston's gear was the best thing on the whole show. Like, it hadn't crossed my mind that there needed to be a Kevin Nash to Xavier Woods, Scott Hall, a SummerSlam. I assumed it to be this one-note joke because they had to do a water pistol advert and he was soaking wet, oozing machismo from that super drip stick he had. So it never crossed my mind that we'd get big Kofi Cool and we got him. That was great. But I just needed to say that because, like, it's, it's not relative to anything. It's yet more worshipping of the past. I just thought it looked really nice and allowed Kevin Nash to do that amazing tweet where he said, it was nice to see somebody moving in that gear. <laughs> oh, what, a legend. what an absolute legend. Um, I didn't mind this because it was not all of it was good, but it was like an explosion of events. There was a lot of events here, like the, all the teams were given a minute or whatever to say, Yeah, it was a promo train, it like presented differently, but it was all a little bit of like minuscule character development for them all, why they wanted to win, even if most of the characters are terrible, even if there's not really any stories attached. It was that at a bare minimum. Um, Orton as a guy intelligent enough to think, hang on, I've got some leverage here. I'll take a singles title shot, thanks very much. And Bobby Lashley being willing to stand up to that. Like, I don't know how WWE do this, because we've talked about this in the podcast before. Sometimes they, like, make you look over there and then suddenly have you interested in a Randy Orton title match. And it's only once, and you're never bothered about the rematches, and then you realise... <laughs> <laughs> like, even within the match itself, you sort of start losing interest. It's like, oh, he's hit the chin lock. Yeah, I'm bored with this now. But somehow, at the first mention of it, they tend to kind of like get you on the hook again. I thought that was pretty effective. I just like that character sort of using this opportunity for his own gains. And again, like you might have to fill in some blanks for me because it won't surprise you to know that 
I've not really kept up with the antics of Monday Night Raw, with one glaring red mask exception that I'm looking forward to getting to later on the show. I've not really had to pay attention to the Monday Night Raw superstars. Folding in RK Bro into the title picture is kind of inspired. Drew McIntyre can't challenge for it. There's nobody else feeling remotely ready. Goldberg's going to get his ugly Saudi Arabia rematch then. So why not? Not for the title, though. Well, all right. Okay. Well, so I just assume that would be for the belt again. So the no, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want the belt. He doesn't want the belt. He just wants the money. He just wants the soul out of his body. I think he said he wants to rip his soul out of his body on behalf of his kid. Well, he's going to the right country for it then. But like the the tag, like the tag as evidence at SummerSlam and in the weeks leading up to it. Okay, bro, the hottest thing on the show. So acknowledge that and put them in the, the title picture as well. Like this is the best use of all the people here. Really didn't mind. Look at boxes up for Randy. Randy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and instigate the split that way, maybe. Yeah. You know, the ramifications. This is the bare minimum of what we talk about. Oh, that's a storyline yeah. development here. Great. I don't know why we it's bother. A show. I don't know why we bother with the preview sometimes. I mean, it's good because you just take the piss neither. out of it, basically. Me neither. But me and Ben Roy yesterday were talking about this. And we were talking about, have they forgotten about Bobby Lashley? Like, he hasn't got anyone to face at Extreme Rules. We're, what, three weeks away? Um... And we were, I was saying, literally just put anyone anyone in a, like a title shot because we all know he's, he's retaining and he's going to go and face Goldberg, even though it's non-title at, uh, at Saudi Arabia. Um, and it also makes no sense that we pitch winners uh, for these things because Ben Roy picked the Viking Raiders for tag team turmoil. And I think I picked in a shock victory um, Mansoor and Mustafa Ali for them to, to eventually disintegrate. So oh, that was it. It was going to be... Uh, I think maybe Mason T-Ball was going to cost the Viking Raiders. So you can have another storyline going on in the tag team division. That's far too far, you know, away. But you have Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, although it doesn't work because they're going to go Saudi Arabia, so they need to keep them together. And I was going to have them split and basically Riddle go like, can you imagine someone turning on their tag team part like that? But what's the point? Because they just hoy in a bloody world champion into the tag team mix at the last minute anyway and uh, get rid of the other promised title match that they said was going to happen on this show. Well, it's going to be the women's tag titles on the line and then it just went, ah, no bollocks, change it, just make it a contender's match. Are you mourning that? No. I mean, Natalia is involved. So don't act in good faith like your brother I miss, I miss, I, go, I feel a bit, a bit bad for... Shotzi and Knox, who've beaten the tag champs about five times, it's not a title shot, but still. Anyway, uh, Kofi and some WWE praise because we never have any, and I just think there's been a bit of this lately. It doesn't happen often, and it doesn't happen with everybody, and it should. And Sidgwick's always right. It's bare minimum. It's bare minimum. There have been a number of cases, I think, over the last month, two months, where wrestlers are being permitted to get involved and in the mix with what other wrestlers are doing outside of their own feud. And I don't know who's been the one to drive that, and I really like it. There's more of that here. And I just think it really, really helps because WWE is so goddamn basic that when you just let one character like exist in somebody else's orbit for five minutes, it makes it feel real rather than this just this phony artifice. So like genuinely, I think there's been quite a bit of that lately and it's odd for them and I like to see it. Uh, so we got Kofi and Xavier starting off against the Viking Raiders. Uh, decent back and forth match between these guys, of course. Uh, memorable moment. Kofi goes for a trust dive over the ropes um, and gets caught and just thrown into Woods uh, by the Raiders as we go to the break. Uh, later on, uh, they've isolated Woods. Ivar managed to hit him with a splash. 
gets a near fall, then Kofi Kingston comes in, knocks out Eric with a trouble in paradise, and uh, Woods rolls up. See a repeat of this quite a few times in tag team turmoil. Rolls up Eric for the pinfall victory. This was a decent little start, wasn't it, Sitch? Yeah, I didn't hate this at all. And then I'll tell you what, Jinder and Shaggy came along. I'll tell you what, I didn't hate the finishes in this match at all. I didn't hate the finishes in this match at all. I thought the one against uh, the Viking Raiders was particularly clever because Xavier Woods caught one of them off guard when his mate had just been decimated. That actually made sense as a rule-up. Someone had been caught off guard and hadn't been framed as a moron getting distracted in mm. the process. He was obviously distracted. He was concerned about his mate. And it was so well-timed that I could buy it. Didn't hit the finish, nor any of the finishes. I thought one or two were actually crafted with a bit of elusive goddamn thought. Because then we got Via and Jinnamal, not Shanky. Shanky was just accompanying them to ringside and uh, they just pinned them all <laughs> straight. Yeah, good. I mean, I suppose they shouldn't really be in it. Certainly not after the Viking Raiders because they literally beat them last weekend. But, but anything you want to say about this? No, it's probably notable that Jinder's getting pinned, isn't it? Like they've got more interest in Shanky and Vera at this point. Brilliant. Um, that realise that Jinder's not a big enough star. To, not by giving them any rub, is he? So they might as well like pin him and they'll let them crack on trying to push this team. Oh, good. Uh, anyway, Lucha House Party came next. Uh, really enjoyable little match this because of how quick everyone can go. Uh, but once again, Woods rolls up Grand Metalik as uh, Kingston holds down at Lindsay Dorado. Something or nothing, this one, Sige. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> gentlemen's three action. There you go. There's a take. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was all next about Mace and Dreamball. They, uh, yeah, were hugely in control, battering Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston until Woods rolls up T-Bar as he goes for his finisher. They get the victory and immediately Mace and T-Bar attack post-match and it looks like New Day are just going to be laid out for whichever team comes next. The next team was Mansoor and Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali basically telling him, just... Let them get murdered and then we'll pick the bones. But Mansour wants to be good, wants to wants to help. Dives in, he gets his head kicked in as well. So Mustafa Ali realises he has to go in after him. He gets beat up. Uh, Kingston gets lawn darted into the steel steps. Woods gets posted. They're all laid out, basically. Uh, and then when we come back from the break, it's announced by Postman Pierce and particularly by Sonia Deville that uh, they're going to give these four guys time to recover and tag team turmoil will roll on as Raw does, Michael Affleck. My. Let, like, again, just well, I want to be generous about this. The lawn dart was a nice choice, wasn't it? For all the things that Kofi was dressed as tonight. Nice choice. Appreciate that. Uh, cheap. Cheap, man. Like, you can't, you can't... The one thing with these gauntlets, right, and I, they're not for everybody and they're not always been for me, but if you remember how much praise Seth Rollins got for going incredibly long back in that 2018 no one... No one remembers that because it was sucky at the time. Yeah, I didn't like it then, but a lot of people, like, admired what he did. Um, the entire Kofi Mania build seemed to be centred around long gauntlet matches. Like, regardless what you think of the, the matches in between... It's got to be one long continuation. If you're going to tell a story of her baby faces or heels being spoilers, like whether it be getting disqualified and kind of like ruining things when the, the gutsy baby faces have worked their way through or an unexpected surprise package, getting a couple of pinfalls and suddenly making everything for a second they might win it. The whole point of these things 
is that it's got to be one long continuous story. Um, it's become beneficial to WWE to do these in the three hour raw era because it really fills the TV time. So it affords them like the opportunity to not have to do more quote unquote creative things because they can just put long matches in. In this case, they wanted to have it all. And I just thought it was really, really cheap. You want to take up loads of time in your first hour. You still want to go back to it in the main event and then ask audiences to like buy that the new day is still in the middle of this struggle or that this is a continuation when it wasn't. I'd, I didn't like this at all as a, as a bit of an out for them. Didn't work for me. It was so cheap, as you said. That is the perfect word. Just creative bankruptcy. How do you follow the pay-per-view of the year, the conversation, the landmark moment for the competitor, which is actually not too far away from your demos? If you're thinking, and you're in WWE, you're thinking, Christ, the next round of TV rights negotiations are going to be incredibly interesting. If AEW catch up on their demos, AEW could get money out of the ass. Like they genuinely could. Because at the minute, to me at least, it feels like TNT are underpaying AEW. If you look at the market and how it's been established with WWE getting all of this money, I think AEW are getting underpaid. And if Long tone has got anything about him, he should point to the respective demos of each shows and think, look how much they're getting. Can we not have some of that? And if you're WWE, you're probably, you should be thinking, Christ, let's maintain this, guys. And you do two gauntlet matches on one show. It's pathetic. And again, it would be remiss of us, I guess, not to mention that this Mustafa Ali and Mansoor thing has been going on for some time. It informed the events of this match that's not bad storytelling, but at the same time, it's just a storyline. My missus watches an ITV procedural in the UK, and it's called Vera, right? On a Sunday night. Tonight she watches it on catch-up on Monday. I've seen them filming that on the quayside. Yeah. And I'm not into Vera. Still, it's not for me. She's a, a homely middle-aged detective woman, mm -hmm. and she's from up north. She kind of talks like this, and she's got a... <laughs> Scratch <laughs> and you know, when she gets the culprit at the end and she, you know, spots the gap in his alibi or the timeline, you didn't think about that one, Pat. And I'm watching Vera. And here's the thing I'm not predisposed to enjoying Vera, but theoretically, when it's on in the background, that's on my phone. It's my turn tomorrow night, thank God. I could theoretically be drawn to Vera. Do you think, because it's a polished production that has made A, that is likely to have a baseline quality of being good, right, that I'm going to go, oh my God, Francis, are the storylines in this Vera? <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to look at me and go, well, I, it's a TV show? She's not Vera, <laughs> Francis. But then, yeah, don't give them credit for rubbish, man. That thing where, like, I might be in the living room and, like, peer over my laptop to ask my wife about, like, huh, what's this uh, EastEnders character up to lately? I suppose, like, he's uh, murdered somebody and he's walking around like it's not a big deal. <laughs> like, a little bit of a sneer and then go back to my laptop and check uh, WB's official Twitter account for what's happening tonight on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I've got my high horse. That would be great, then. Will, <laughs> will the murderer be caught? Find out as the rules are. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, right, we got Drew McIntyre, Sheamus. Oh, I haven't had that for ages. Uh, that came next. Uh, number one contenders match to see who will face Damian Priest for the United States Championship uh, at Extreme Rules. Look, we know these two can work brilliant matches together. We've seen enough of them. Uh, again, they just went 15 minutes beating the crap out of each other because we often talk about how underrated Sheamus is. And yeah, I think me and Ben Roy suggested maybe you have Drew win this to go to Extreme Rules and then you'd potentially do more of that turn that we, we saw after this match. But regardless, it is Sheamus heading to Extreme Rules. Uh, in the match itself, <laughs> a particular moment where Drew goes for the Glasgow kiss uh, because Sheamus has got his uh, face mask on. He hurts himself and Sheamus just headbutts him back. Uh, hits him with an Alabama slam, gets a, a two count off the back of that and attempts to, to, to mimic the Claymore countdown, but uh, runs straight into a clothesline and a future shot DDT for a near fall for Drew. Um, McIntyre actually tried to put him in a Kimura at one point, but Sheamus uh, managed to get a rope break after being posted. And uh, McIntyre gets hit with a huge knee strike as he comes off the top and Sheamus um, gets, uh, gets in with the white noise as well for another two count. Eventually, McIntyre fights back, pulls Sheamus's mask off, exposing that pretty face of his. McIntyre goes for a claymore, but Sheamus dodges it. Schoolboy grabs the tights. He gets the victory. And an infuriated McIntyre post-match nails him with his own mask uh, before giving him a claymore. We talked about this, as I said, me and Benroy on the preview yesterday. Is this more development of a, of a heel turn for potentially for Drew McIntyre or more of an edge at least? Uh, and we know he can't go after the, the the title right now, the world title with Lashley holding it. And what do you make of, of Sheamus heading to Extreme Rules? I'm bored by that. Mm. I'm bored, bloody rigid by that. I've seen it six times. It's there's no drama to it whatsoever. We know Priest is going over. It's somehow worse than a 50-50 feud this between mm. Sheamus and Priest. It's just rotten. It's just absolutely rotten. The match quality itself, of course, was pretty damn good. These guys trust each other's bodies. They are committed to doing the work of the people who pay them by just belting each other, like assembling a really nice match that has no narrative purpose realistically, and it's just there to gobble up time. And you know what? They are professionals with a sense of self-respect. They still have this tunnel vision attitude where maybe it'll give them opportunities for titles if they batter each other. And I always like... I'm quite easily pleased, and that's what's the biggest indictment of this show. I genuinely am. I do like intricate, ambitious storytelling, yes, but I'm genuinely quite easily pleased. When big lads do the things that their smaller, athletically gifted peers do, I, I mark out. It's fun. It's incredulous. So when McIntyre did a top rope, then a roll through, and got bashed with a roll kick, yes, that looked awesome because it was Drew doing it. It was physically impressive and all the rest of it. But, like... They better be turning Drew McIntyre heel because what a knob he looked like in the post-match. What a knob. Like, yes, he was cheated, so he's going to be the big WWE badass babyface and get vengeance for cheating. If you just, if you're that pissed off, maybe don't do your 3-2-1 countdown. <laughs> looked like a sore loser. That's what he looked like. It's all about my baby faces. Be losers and sore losers at that. I really wish, um, I really wish WWE could book, and not just because it'd make watching these shows like a lot easier, um, because I like this Drew McIntyre storyline at present, but I have so little faith for much of it to matter. Let's say in six months, like that's not a huge ask. That whatever is happening right now with Drew McIntyre's life will matter again in six months. They've 
done a good job of like he is it's it's like you could believe that he's starting to feel like hang on the deck's a bit stacked against me here and this isn't fair and that's like the great foundation for a heel turn like he's lost this match but he was cheated effectively mm-hmm. in this match with Bobby Lashley where he can't get another title shot he's been cheated again here he was basically you know that episode of Alan Partridge was like I'm at least Endlin you know he just drives to the petrol station to buy some windscreen washer fluid never going to use it never going to that was him with, <laughs> him with his sword at SummerSlam takes his sword never going to use it Lynn. never going to use it like he's got nothing going on and he's kind of it's not necessarily really his fault, but a lot of things have gradually conspired against him to drive this heel turn. And then he thinks, well, hang on, I've never been the United States champion and this would make me a Grand Slam champion. Motivation, you know? So it's like, this is how I'm going to find my center again. And he was the US champion. And in form, really well-liked, well-booked babyface in Damian Priest. So you've got these two cool things coming together. Drew McIntyre sort of getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, but believing he's right to feel pushed. Damian Priest, this guy that we like, that it feels like you're allowed to have a bit of faith in. And they're going to come together and like, I really like all that, but you just don't think that they're going to remember any of this or Drew will get, I don't know, drafted and then Survivor Series will be about like him wearing a blue t-shirt instead of a red one or whatever, you know, and then Bobby Lashley will lose the belt again. So they'll just be like, all right, great. Get him back in the title picture as soon as possible because he's one of our made men. Like, I wish that the ramifications that are pretty good right now mm. will be relevant in November because I don't have the faith that they will be. I like this current Drew run in and of itself, but I just, it's, All feels very short-term. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Continuing on from this, we go backstage and Kevin Patrick's there at Damien Priest. <laughs> oh, Damien, what's he watching? He's been watching the match. They showed him looking awkwardly at TV earlier and he said he loved watching that fight between McIntyre and Sheamus uh, and he was going to enjoy fighting Sheamus at Extreme Rules and Sheamus in the end was going to hear and still United States champion Damien Priest. He looked very happy with himself. Good little promo this from Damien Priest. Uh, and then we get Sarah Schreiber chatting to Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H., the latest in a long line of tag team odd couples. Uh, I think me and Beverly worked out yesterday. If they win the titles, they will be, I think it's three-fifths of the tag champs will be odd couples. Fantastic. So you've got Io Shirai and Zoe Stark in NXT. Obviously, you've got MSK there. They're an actual tag team. You've got the Usos. They're an actual tag team. And then you've got RK Bro and, uh, yes, Rhea Ripley and... The superheroes. This is RK Sis, isn't it? Because it's the exact same <laughs> thing as RK Bro, the same dynamic where Nikki ASH is a goober. Rhea Ripley is a slightly more tolerant version of Randy Orton, but it's the same dynamic. Stupid little idiot is 
pals with the more serious one. It's, it's funny you say stupid little idiot. I, I wanted to mention something. And I've, like, I've been sitting on this for like a week and a half because this happened very early into the holiday. You've on the evening. On the year's age for a, year, a week and a half. <laughs> I've been sitting on this revelation about this. Touch some grass. <laughs> you need to thinking about that, for, you need to touch some grass. The kids were watching a film on a night because we were just trying to get them to sleep. Secret Life of Pets 2, right? I'd like to send you an image over and anybody that's listening to this podcast, if you haven't seen Secret Life of Pets 2, and I wouldn't judge you for that, Google a character from Secret Life of Pets 2 called Snowball. This is coming over to you electronically now. This is a rabbit. Believes itself to be a superhero because it was given superhero pajamas, and that whole deal about Nikki Crosby. Like, I've just had this inspiration flash to me, and I'm going to get it over the line, and I want to pitch it to the company. She just nicked it from Secret Life Pets too, like 100. Oh my god! It is. Have you haven't seen this? It is. <laughs> Bolted upright watching this generic. What the rabbit eat? Again? What do rabbits eat? <laughs> what? Carrots and grass. Yeah. You think that the ears are going to be touching grass for inspiration? <laughs> See, she's just the same as Riddle. Well, she's been smoking, so yeah, smoking some grass for inspiration, basically. Yeah, uh, there was a, a really awkward crowbar line in here where Shriver was like saying, what have you got in common? And uh, yeah, so it went, let's not try to fly ahead of ourselves. And I nearly put my foot through my the screen. Well, you're not, you're not even a superhero, so you can't fly, so that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and uh, she went, go on, go on. You be, I'll be, I'll be Rhea Ripley. And she goes like, go on, do the new catchphrase. And then they were like, super brutality. <laughs> and it was just- Super brutality, I'm going to die. Oh. <laughs> it's like the promo version of those horrendous mishmash themes. Oh yeah, and you just turn it down. And turn. Yeah, there you go. There's there's Asuka, and there's <laughs> super brutality. Uh, I can't do acting. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll turn this off. I'll uh, turn this off and not come in on a Tuesday if you do this to me again. Um, then we got a backstage promo with Charlotte Flair again. Who am I supporting in this championship match? We got later Nia Jax or Charlotte Flair? Both heels, both massive heels. Um, Charlotte Flair talked about uh, just because Nijax is not like most girls, that doesn't matter because Charlotte Flair is one of a kind and she's going to make something about the crown bollocks and make the make her kiss, kiss the floor she walked on. And I thought, so am I meant to cheer for you or the other one at this point? What was going on? I don't care. No, okay, fair enough. Well, then we got the, uh, not the tag team championship match, the tag team contenders match. They just discovered this in the last few months, haven't they? Oh, They've gone hard on for this. They Because uh, it doesn't really mean anything. Because sometimes it means you win this, you'll get a title shot. And sometimes it means, we'll see if you're good enough for a title shot. I've won. Well, we'll think about it. We'll bear, bear that in mind. It doesn't mean anything, this, these tag team contenders, you know, championship <laughs> contenders matches. Knox and Shotzi deserve three. Yes. I was just thinking that they've won three, haven't they? And that was like it was back in like May or something. July. Because it was when they returned to arenas and thought we need some hot new stars. Let's not yeah. put them on the shoe, Paul. Let's not put them on the shoe after that. <laughs> uh yes, it was Natalia and Tamina versus Ripley and uh, ASH. Uh they isolate Nikki. Basically, Tamina super kicks Ripley to allow them to, to, to just work over Nikki Cross. Eventually, Ripley, of course, the real star of the team, comes in, gets the hot tag, runs wild. Um she uh she tried take tries she's 
busying herself trying to take out both members of the team, uh, which means that as she drop kicks to me, that allows Natalia to sneak in and hit her with a German suplex. Um, but then it's Nikki and Natalia. It looks like Natalia's got the match one. She's going for the sharpshooter. She actually puts it on well for once. And uh, <laughs> Rhea Ripley has blind tagged herself. In. I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> she thing. What's your thing? Oh, make people think Bret Hart's about to come out. And then... <laughs> Anyway, Rhea Ripley blind tags in, hits her with the riptide. One, two, three. They are number one contenders, I think. Probably. I just love how Wilborn is way, way more diplomatic than either me or Hamflit. I'm not saying it's a political thing. Maybe he's just more easily pleased than us. I'm not saying he's cynical or anything like that. I'm just hanging against Natalia. Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> That's a boring, bloody waste of time. I just, I just... I, I can't get over it. Uh, what do you think, anyway? We've just been much? in it for a boot a decade. Yeah, exactly. A boot? Canadian? Lore of the Canadian? I, I don't know. My, my brain gets turned to mush by this idiotic TV programme. So I'm talking about Vera and trying to pop like 10 people who've seen Vera on the podcast. Which... <laughs> ben Diagram, Raw, raw Watchers, Podcast <laughs> Listeners, Vera. Oh, there it is. There's, 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 I don't think you were where you said you were, but <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, they don't get along, do they? So like they've just beaten the they don't, they're not friends. They can't coexist, and yet they coexist better than the champions. You can't like you can't invest in this. That's not like me speaking emotionally. I'm literally speaking to any shareholders that listen. You can't invest <laughs> in this anymore. Stop investing in this. Uh, right, time for this week's moist TV. I loved. I got so excited when I saw the little, you know, the little thing in the corner. It was like coming up moist TV with Karen Cross. I was like, yes, please. That's the promo with the mask on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he, he's in there in a just you know nice black suit or whatever. Yeah. Um, John Morrison's doing moist TV. He's got Karen Cross there, and he's like, "Me with Karen Cross, Karen." Uh, I loved it. It was like. You know, Lorraine or something. Tell us, tell us about what you're interested in. And he goes, uh, <laughs> I want everyone's worst dreams to become a reality. Cool. So he's being like metaphorically, no, I want to ruin everything for everyone. Oh, cool. Um, he says, What's next? And he goes, I'm gonna make you suffer. And he goes, uh, well, there's music playing in the background, by the way. That stops. And he goes, Oh, yeah, but you, you know, you're talking like in theory. And he's like, no, I'm going to eliminate you. Can I just interrupt one second? I know you're mid-spiel, and I love your dramatic readings, but I'm actually sat physically next to Adam Wilson yeah. right now. And in his notes, it's so funny, because I, I, Morrison didn't think Cross was serious. Have you watched NXT? <laughs> <laughs> what adjective you would use to describe carrying Cross? It's serious, but midway through that joke, I'm thinking, of course he hasn't watched NXT. <laughs> Nobody else does. Uh, I did. I did like the line. Oh, I was, no, I didn't like the line. I just was excited to hear your two's reaction, which I'll get to in a second. Morrison going, "I'm not afraid of you." I've been in the ring with Kane, Undertaker, DX, the cool members. Oh, you! Oh, I used to like you, John. What's this? Uh, and uh, Cross said, "I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to teach you to fall and pray." And then he did in two minutes. He battered him. Uh, Morrison, Morrison, who's had presumably from the time this interview aired to the match to prepare when squirm in the face with water. That'll do it. That'll stop him. That'll stop this killer. He comes out in that stupid outfit. No one cares. He gets sprayed in the face with his drip stick. 
and Cross just hoys him all over the place. There was a nice spot where he suplexed him over the turnbuckle, over the ring ropes, over the turnbuckle to the outside, and then he hits, gets there. Fresh cross jacket on John Morrison for the submission victory. Hamlet, what do you think of this and all the bollocks that came before it? Morrison referencing Kane um, made clear who Karen Cross is at this point, but like it's not going to land. So he's not going. They wanted him to be thought of as a Kane-like figure. It's not going to happen. He's going to be a Gene Snitsky-like figure where he's going to get a few squashes for a few weeks because they remembered that he's not a complete waste man or whatever, you know? Like, just bang average big guy doing boring squashes um, and they're going to tire of him. Like, you're going to get two or three weeks. Sorry. Uh, He's boring. I, Cedric sent me the message. Hamlet, I'm sorry. I know you're on holiday and you're switching off. Please look at this. And I couldn't be happier that he sent it. It was carrying cross in his mask. Oh, you missed, you missed this. Like, yeah, what I love about that as well is that, like, since then, obviously, I'm basing off this. You know, he's not going to lose many matches now. He's This is going to be his run. Like, everything we saw before was this false start when he had like Triple H's NXT belt around his waist, which is great as well. Just another dig from Vince. Um, yeah, I, was, I don't count. This is what's happening now, as if that this is somehow better. Yeah, ignore that first bit. We've got it right. This is not like them fixing the dark order, is it? Like, <laughs> what about those phantom punches? We're good now. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, for them to think that this is the, the this is the real quiz with carrying Cross. Christ, they're miles off. They're absolutely miles off. Two things before we move on. One, I know why, because it was funny. It's fine. But if you've got Jeff Hardy in the 24-7 division on the exact same show, is Karrion Cross is racking up wins at this point. <laughs> Don't do the first thing. Mm-hmm. And then, it, it, but that's the thing, this is never getting over. He's too bland, he's too generic. Brock Lesnar, during his 2002 monster push, would never get squirted with a water gun, even if it would make him mad. It just wouldn't happen. Like, it just frames him as an idiot. And uh, here's the thing, right? I was looking at my coverage, and even I'm getting uninspired writing about WWE. Because there's, there are, funnily enough, no more words to describe <laughs> how like careless and casual and just it is what it is, and I don't care about what it could be. And I'm thinking, Christ, I should probably try and find the positives. Yeah, glass half full guy. So I'd stumbled upon something right where if you look at the reactions that Riddle's been getting as part of RK Bro, and if you look at the reactions that John Morrison got at Money in the Bank. And live crowds are into John Morrison. And I had a bit of an epiphany thinking, if they had an epiphany after years of trying to project cool, the rock-esque qualities on its baby faces who don't possess them naturally, like Seth Rollins and Randy Orton, have they finally figured out, right, let's just do what we've been doing accidentally, deliberately, and make our baby faces geeks? It's what we're good at. Mm. It's the only thing we're good at is making our baby faces look like geeks. If we can do this to the point where they are sympathetic and not uncool as a result, is this the way forward to baby faces? Like John Morrison was like really quite not funny, but like I did half pop his oblivious deadpans at the Miz when they were together. Like, oh no, that wasn't true. And people like identified with him because he was a bit of an, an oblivious, well-meaning idiot, as is Riddle. And I'm thinking. Are they going to be able to push these guys as a result? And I, I write this article. It's facetious as all hell, but there's a kernel of insight into it. And then the beer in two minutes. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, as Andy put it right, right this morning, I just loaded up Twitter and he's like, so much John Morrison push then, eh? Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, right, Nia Jax gets interviewed. She talks about physically overpowering and pinning, obviously the uh, Raw Women's Champion, and she said she was uh, finishing what she started to win the title. She lost. Uh, that came next. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. Oh. Shayna Baszler's still a mate, sort of, but she the match, the bell rings. Shayna Baszler jumps up on the apron and goes, uh, I'm not sure you've got to take what it takes to uh, beat Charlotte twice in a row. I think you might choke. And then Nia <laughs> Jax just looked at her. And then they basically, I'm not sure if you saw this last week, basically their match descended into a shoot fight, Hamflet, um, with them just slapping the piss out of each other. Uh, that's what they tried to sort of copy here. They're shoving each other. They're grabbing their hair. Charlotte goes, oh, I'm not having this. Gets out of the ring, gets the title, presumably goes to leave. But then Baszler, who just said, nah, Nia Jax, crap, she won't beat you. He's going, don't leave. Stay and beat her, at least. That allows Nia Jax to get her, and they, they go back and forth. Um, and Charlotte hits a powerbomb on Nia Jax for a near fall. Come back after the ads, and uh, Charlotte's hitting her you know, spectacular moonsault off the top to the outside. As she stood there celebrating, Baszler tries to attack her in full view of the referee. But Charlotte gets out of the way. But thankfully, Baszler stops herself before she hits Jax, which means she's more effective now trying to ruin Jax's match with her, with her mind games than she was an effective tag team partner when they were the tag champions. And then they get back in the ring. Baszler jumps off on the apron. Nia Jax gets distracted and Charlotte comes off the top rope to hit a natural selection and pins her and Baszler looks happy. Sid, your face was a picture as I was talking through that. What do you think of it all? Vincent Mann is senile. There are dark Twitter rumours that it's the case. We don't need them. We just have to watch the telly. You beat your champion for this. Mm -hmm. You beat your champion last week. For this. <laughs> Could Nia Jax... And, you know, the answer to this question is yes, because this happens most times when she wrestles. But could Nia Jax look like more a complete moron here? <laughs> Could the quote-unquote character development have literally been any more obvious and blunt. And they are trying to tell the audience a story so sternly with such little respect for their ability to pick up on things that they shout the story to you via the conduit that is Shayna Baszler. The fact that Shayna Baszler is doing all these things makes Nia Jax look like the biggest moron imaginable. Uh, I just want it to be called What Culture AEW <laughs> with a bit of New Japan and Forbidden Door action sprinkled in there as well. Dot com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This So last week degenerated into a shoot brawl made for this disastrous match, obviously. That was better than the completely worked and on the level one. Like that was more... Enjoyable watch because at least there was something intriguing to look at for a minute. You know, that was all. Like, there was, mm -hmm. this was, it went weird. It went strange. This was right back within WWE's wheelhouse. Mostly boring when it wasn't completely illogical and daft. I hate Baszler and Nia Jax's relationship as much as they do, and yet they persist. 
Um, and yeah, was this a two-week program to get Charlotte ready for the big pay-per-view singles match? Is that why this existed? Is it go, go 50-50 with Nia Jax because we've got something bigger for you at the pay-per-view? Bliss disappeared for a bit as well, I think, didn't she? So it's like to keep her busy, we'll just give her this. Anyway, post-match, we sort of get back into it, as you alluded to there, Hamlet. Uh, Alexa Bliss appears on the screen. She's not alone, though. She's got uh, with her. And I love this, by the way, because, you know, um, do you remember, like, I'm not, what about the Attitude Era? Do you remember the classic one with uh, Shawn Michaels and he's there and you've got the security guards in the ring? And I think, is it Shay? Shane, isn't it? He's doing a back and forth with him. He's like, Capice Commish, I got this. And then he's like, oh, who's that behind you there with that nightstick? Has he got a nightstick in his pants? We've got a big old cat, basically. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Shawn Michaels, and that's a pre-tape. They go for this here. But Charlotte buggers this up, if you notice. So basically, Alexa goes, spooky bollocks. Do you want to come and join me at Playground? Right? And she goes, goes, Charlotte goes, I'm not interested in your mind games. But she talks for too long. Before she gets to, I'm not coming there, Alexa goes, well, that's a shame. (laughs) I was like, she hasn't said it yet. (laughs) Why did they need a pre-tape when it took Alexa Bliss an, ex- an extremely long amount of time to get to the ring. It wasn't like, oh my God, she's materialized out of thin air. It's like, she just walks slowly to the ring in the dark. Supernatural. WWE, she materialized out of thick air. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did like the line where Bliss, because Charlotte refuses, Bliss says, well, Lily's got a lot of pent up energy tonight. Do you know what it's like being stuck with a lunatic? Of course you do. You're a flare. I mean, that was a good line. I'll give you that. Right. <laughs> Uh, she said, though, if you won't come to the playground, I'll bring the playground to you again. As Sid there said, there the lights go out. Time a few moments later, uh, Alexa Bliss is still in the ring with Lily. And Charlotte's like, "What do you want?" And she goes, points to the belt. And uh, Charlotte says, "Oh, you want a tile match?" Everyone says, "Yeah." She says, "Okay, but not here, but extreme rules." We got there in the end, Asage. But I'm getting stips for extreme rules. Matches, they just got matches now. Then next week, someone's going to accidentally use a chair or a ladder or a table or some bollocks. Or I hope it's a tables match. Will Bourne, I'm starving. <laughs> like, based on last year's horror show, every match is a swamp fight because this company's a swamp. Maybe that's there. <laughs> I'd love to see more of that. It's really funny in retrospect. It sucked because, you know, I'd been outside my house in about three months, but it was really funny. Yeah. Two eye for an eye. Charlotte just looks in the mirror at like in one of her eyes. Goes, I don't need you anymore. <laughs> By really funny, I mean the Money in the Bank one where they tried to be funny wasn't funny, but the horror ones were funny. Yeah, yeah. and just used generic fo- footage of an alligator or whatever it was. You're like, oh, that could be here. It's not, but <laughs> could be. Uh, anyway, uh, time for a recap of all the times Reginald went to the park and formed life experiences or something. And then he's got a match against Akira Tozawa for the 24-7 championship. Skip? Oh, can we skip the rest of the show? I'm really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> no, because no, we've got a really good line to come. So uh, we'll save that. But yeah, he, he pinned him, used the flipping sent on and then uh, uh, dodged to the outside because then, of course, the 24-7 rules became back in effect. They stopped for the match, but they come back in effect. And... Uh, Cedric is there, Alberto Carrillo's there, our true said. 24 7. Jackson Riker's there. Sean Benjamin. It's not 23 7, is it? Jackson is there. John Benjamin there. As is Jeff Hardy. Okay. He dives onto all of them. Skip. They run to the back. 
and Drake Mavericks there. I mean, I, I say you say Skip, I've just covered ex- all the things that happened there. Drake Mavericks there, so maybe Drake Mavericks getting back involved with this. So. Anyway, <laughs> enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it! And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by... A second, there we go. Jake Messinetti. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review, all you need to do is subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Leave us a five star review and uh, just suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related, basically. Um, Jake, though, says he hasn't got any, any Apple products in the house, so he's emailed me. Uh, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com to suggest this five-star review. He says, I'm sorry, uh, this would be straight into the seven-star section of iTunes reviews if I had any Apple products, but alas, I'm a poor Android-wielding musician. Oh, wait a second. New York accent at mildly appropriate, but optional, optional, so I'm going to do it for Hey, I'm potting here. The What Culture Wrestling Podcast is as well-rounded as, well, let me get back to you on that. Anchoring down the daily output is the prime time newsworthy voice of Adam Wilborn. Often joined by Andy H. Murray, the H stands for hilarious banter. <laughs> for a round of the day's wrestling news. And by the deadlies for previews and reviews of all your favorite shows and Raw. Bring in Nicholas, Celery, and Phil. I don't know if that's just a mistake or that's deliberate. Celery. <laughs> Nicholas, Celery, and Phil for some great fun on wrestle culture. Throw it over to the wonderful Gareth Morgan and Andrew Pollard to cover weekend news and reviews, and I'm set for my daily commute. Hey, I'm walking in. For a five-star review, you please take a look at the Big Show Body Stamp Challenge from Dolphin Up. That's it. They're as well-rounded as Paul White's big ball dumbass yet. <laughs> You're all wonderful. New York points on me. Uh, thank you. Bless you all for the great content. And I'm still 100% in for the style of fun collaboration. Yeah, Jake's done a, a really good uh, wrestle culture theme on the, I think I played it before, played it before on here uh, on his style of fun. We'll, we'll maybe do an entire quiz all about wrestling themes with that anyway. Oh. But Hamlet, take us back to the million dollar Dolphin Up Challenge. <laughs> I, I love the uh, million dollar Dolphin Up Challenge because um, it took place in around 2004-ish, on SmackDown, no less. Me and Sidgwick have had long conversations about this. To this day, I am so scared of the SmackDown locker room that I'm scared to even talk about them on a podcast in case one of them comes to me. Well, two of them can't. But, like, in case any of the rest of them come to me. Because they're so absolutely terrifying. If you were a new guy that dared to want to wrestle for a living, these giant men were going to make you suffer for choosing to do that. Um, big show, of course, we've got here. Brock Lesnar, Harker Holly, uh, Benoit and Guerrero. Just Angle. angry. Kurt Angle. Angry men that were angry with you for daring to come up and stand next to them or consider yourself in their league. And every week, the WWE, in all their cruel brilliance, instructed, like forced 10 people to do it. You want this? What this go and bury yourself with that entire locker room once a week? This happened very much a precursor to the audition era of NXT, but way crueler because the men that this was affecting were just much crueler. Like when you know what his chops was talking about his mustache, like John Morrison, Eli Cottonwood, thank you. You know, like 
John Morrison on the stage isn't going to be like, when you get back to that curtain, I'm going to put your head in a locker and slam the door. <laughs> like, they're just like, I oh, whatever, mate. Yeah, this is a mess. You got to look what, like, look at Daniel Bryan, like having fun with it, you know, and like them doing the, like, let's win the the, the newlyweds game by just writing chicks in America on a card. <laughs> and like, this. like, these men, like, these men, the big show knows full well that these have been instructed, sent out there to die. And yet when he goes back to the station, but he thought you're pretty clever going out there and so didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Like they're just <laughs> absolutely set up to suffer. Didn't and one of the lads already quit before this this thing even started? Yeah, a, a couple. You always had dropouts. I know, like one of the because these were like as you could see, they were all like massive guys. A few of them have got those sort of names where you're like, oh, are you going to be somebody? Um, and then there was one of the weeks. I, I don't think it was this one, although it was a physical challenge where before they went out to do this whatever it was, this act of physicality it might have been this one. Um, they were made to just make themselves sick eating pasta, like literally minutes before going out there. It was just like, you've got to restrict this business. Eat this bolognese. Like, just this. <laughs> on, it's a stick on air. Just hideous. Why you think we're going to burger? But like, JBL backstage probably bollocking them, thinking that like the war was a real war. You're just like them skinny assholes from WCW coming in. Think that we won that goddamn war coming and taking our job. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, in your absence, we've totally self parked this business. <laughs> neither took a job. We've, we've now self parked. <laughs> I, uh, I told Sidgwick, by the way, on somebody on Twitter, like, reached out and said, You've got to listen to last week's five star review. View. There's like a back and forth that Wilborn and Sidgwick do from the comment section. Oh, yeah, but everywhere, right? I appreciate you picking a week for me being off so that I have to talk about Charlesville. I was in the building, mate. I was there. <laughs> like, WWE would get like the cosmic joke is always at my expense. I could miss a podcast about it. Ah, I saw it in the flesh. It was so funny as well because it was like Ricky Hatton, and you're like, oh, yeah, obviously they're in Manchester. I was like, they're in Sheffield. So <laughs> great to be back in Sheffield. <laughs> I'm not born here, though. I don't know. What's going on. Yeah. Oh, I'm really hungry. Sorry, yeah. Uh, so uh, presumably back, they've shown a clip backstage of the big show intimidating them on camera for once yeah. <laughs> prior to this. Al Snow's in the ring and he says, well, big show, just put all of you in your place. Now you've got a chance to put big show in his place. You're going to get 20 seconds on the mic. Uh, Chris Narocki starts us off. He says, hey, big show, I'd like to tell you something. We might be the new boys on the block, Big Show, but you just give us a few weeks and when I win this million-dollar toughen-up competition, I'll be right beside you in that locker room and you will never be putting me in my place again. Brother, it was not as easy as that. Yeah. You were going to get your asshole soaked up. Hazed, <laughs> brother. You don't sign a contract and you get, like, to be able to sit next to these guys. Like, yeah. They're going to kill you. Uh, for the next reading, uh, my good friend Michael Sidgwick, who should be seated here, uh, will be playing the role of Taz. So Mike Mizanin, who you may recognise, gets on the mic and says, this is the true story of when the Miz can hold on. We're up in Nebraska. He says, <laughs> he, he says, Big Show, you're seven foot tall, you're 500 pounds, you're the biggest guy on SmackDown. I've never wrestled before, but with the training of Mr. Alson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then Ryan Reeves, he looks familiar as well. Um, he says, Feed me more. No, he says, Big Show, my name is Silverback Ryan Reeves, and I am the real vanilla gorilla. I will bring the pain more than anybody. 
If you had this opportunity, you'd have taken it too. So don't hate on us for taking advantage of it. You don't scare me or any of these guys. Well, please. I can't remember. How does he say? Well, it's, it's like the Fashanu. Fashanu, John Fashanu then. <laughs> because um, Al Snow calls him Dan Rodimer and he calls himself Dan Redimer. And he himself can't work out whether he's from Texas or wherever he's actually from. So maybe we'll just interchange it as a method guy. Mm, yeah. Dan, nuts. He does a he's well he, a big show like, is big, it, shoe. big shoe and then some talk some bollocks about it. Big show picking on one of the littler guys and he's big and he's not going anywhere. I couldn't care less at this point. <laughs> Nick Mitchell comes in. He goes, Big show, you're the big show. Well, you've nailed it so far, Nick. He says, I'm big time. You want big time? Can you do this? And he dances around the ring, and then you know the bit where they gave the Usi hot cream to FTR. Yeah, that rubbing his ass on the ring like a dog with worms. He says, I don't think so. You're too big for that. And no, they stacked crap that high. So he's just stolen someone else's line. And Michael Cole even's going, what's this got to do with wrestling on commentary? Uh, Justice Smith goes, hey, big show, come out to play. Yay. Brilliant. Just steal an infamous movie line. That's fine. Uh, and then he just says the same thing as that Dan Laddy about him going after small guys. And then Daniel Puder, who I believe goes on to win the whole thing, says, because the Big Show shoved him earlier, he says, Big Show, you think that hurt? I got three words for you. Snap, crackle, and huge bap. When I get done with you, your arms and legs are going to be broken. All of them. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm an ultimate fighter. And then says some other bollocks and no one cares. Uh, your review of these promos, Sage? Uh, not so good, not so good. Uh, Pewter has some good, intense jock energy. Uh, the Miz knows where the bread's buttered in WWE, so he just decides to do a catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the rest of them absolutely suck. Uh, and uh, the, the the sincerity in Al Snow's voice, as he says, you did a really good job there talking. It's a big show. Oh, spot on work. Uh, and it says, now they can tell him to his face. And the best Big Show theme plays. I love that. Well, and the Big Show comes out. All the big pyro. He gets in the ring. He confronts uh, Dan Radimer. Uh, tells him to tell everyone why he's so tough. Puts the mic in his face. Goes to slap him and Dan dodges it. Fair play. That's a hell of a reaction. Uh, and then he says, uh, go on, take a swing. Get a taste. Um and Joe reveals he's going to body slam them all. And Ryan Reeves steps up first, eats one, and can't move. An example of things to come, perhaps, with that man. Um, Nick Mitchell steps up, the one who wiped his ass on the ring, and he gets slapped so hard. Uh, and he gets uh, body slammed then. Then comes uh, Daniel Puder. He gets body slammed. Oh, my God. No wonder. What was his name? Chris Naroki. No wonder he didn't win this. He is... How would you describe the way he goes up? I described it as all arms and elbows. I'd describe it as Adam Wilborn doing a gag. <laughs> yeah. Wacky waving arms and flailing in front of the tube, man. Oh, my God. I'm, surpri- I'm genuinely surprised he didn't injure him. And also, you've sensed that quite a few of these lads are trying to sandbag Big Show. It's incredibly impressive. He just goes, over you go. See you later. Um, then Justice Smith. He gets slammed and Big Show's like, ah, bollocks, I'll elbow you as well. And I do, it's either a brilliant acting job rolling around with his eyes in the back of his head or Big Show's just really hurt him. He just wants a job. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, it's Dan Radimer's time. 
uh, he uh, he gets in, or Big Show gets in his face, the, the, the jaw jacking, uh, and then Big Show slams him and knees him. And Taz talks about 470 pound dose of reality. You must have loved this pamphlet. Why? why? <laughs> uh, like, there was a point where Big Show, I think it was after the slam with the arms and legs fella, where he sort of looked at Al Snow, they're like, You're training me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, yeah. that, like, it feels uncomfortable at points watching ritualistic bullying in front of a camera. <laughs> right. Uh, after this, we go to the comment section. Once again, these do not reflect the views of myself, Dadly Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Shiv, two months ago, writes, these were great promos, to be fair. So. <laughs> Next. Melts, man, writes, lol, Rybotch looking like a normal human being before all that juice got emballed. <laughs> uh, Leo De Silva shares the fun fact that Dan Rodimer was running for the Republican Party in Nevada uh, last year. Yeah, it was Texas after that, wasn't it? Yeah, he moved everywhere. He lost every single. And I'm Dan Rodimer. <laughs> 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 I like it. You know, there's always those people in the comment section. He's like, uh, I'll tell you what you should have done here. Brilliant. Yeah, you sit behind that keyboard too. Sean Bang writes, I bet it was super nerve-wracking to have speak in front of that giant crowd, completely improvised. But I'd have taken the talk and talking as much as possible. Maybe get borderline offensive to get a crowd reaction. <laughs> Brothers go for the cheap heat. I'm not being funny. You're probably going to job somewhere. Yeah, that's his instinct. Ghetto society writes. Al Snow looks like he came to steal somebody's auntie from the family reunion. <laughs> also, really childish. This next one. What does everybody want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Justin Woodson. <laughs> I'm going to read this. Obviously, just a you know, clerical error. Last dude should have gotten cock slammed, lol. <laughs> <laughs> he reads jokes, though, but he's, he's excited. <laughs> uh, the best one, the final comment here, comes from Jay Victor, who sort of reflects, you know, like, like we alluded to, the fact that some guys went on to do great things. Daniel Pewter's apparently worth loads of money now. Uh, obviously, Ryback. Apparently, someone said in the comments. I'm not going to bother to check. Uh, Ryback's doing stuff, and uh, yeah, you know, the Miz is the Miz, which is personified by here by Jay Victor, who writes, "Can't believe the Miz went on to main event mania in Port Maurice." <laughs> 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 hey, I'm parking here. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks to uh, Jake Mezzanetti uh, for this week's five-star review. If you want to suggest something like that, something short, crap, wrestling-related, make sure you subscribe to What Cool Dressing on iTunes uh, and leave us a five-star review suggesting something short, crap, and wrestling-related. Or you can email me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com if uh, you are unable to get on to the iTunes Store right. Uh, where are we? What have we got left to do? Oh, right. It's nearly main event time. Just before that, though, there's a promo from the dude rap. She's backstage with Kevin Patrick, uh, and she says, uh, "Even Marie got a do drops last week." Remember when she? Uh, you didn't see this, uh, Hamlet, but they finally broke up. Obviously, 
And uh, what happened last week was we were promised a match between the two of them, which Dewdrop attacked her before the bell, incapacitated her. She was unable to compete. And then she just audibly declared herself the winner. Babyface Dewdrop there. Uh, she could have actually done the exact same thing and won a match. And what would that have counted for? Mm. Nothing. Why am I watching the show? Anyway, the reason why I wanted to say this was uh, she's cutting a promo. She says uh, she wants a rematch. You're, you're the one recently cost yourself a minute. Anyway, she says... Uh, Evolution. More like evil delusion. Oh, nailed it. Get in. You're made event worthy. <laughs> uh, and she says she's ushering a new era. The do drop illusion. Come on, baby. Uh, God, I, I wanted to die. Right, back to tag team turmoil. All at once, all at once. Okay. No individual match recaps. <laughs> okay, Kofi and Xavier versus Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. Uh, at one point, Woods is getting checked over. The referee's backing off Mansoor. <laughs> Mustafa Ali is going, no, kill him. <laughs> uh, so Ali tags himself in, beats him down, goes for the 450 on uh, Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston moves, trouble in paradise. Uh, and Woods hits that mint uh, springboard elbow drop that he does where he walks along the ropes. One, two, three. They advance to take on the penultimate team of AJ Styles and Big George. Uh, I just love the spot where Kofi Kingston springs in and almost just sees him coming and just, just slaps him out of the air. Uh, Styles goes for that backflip DDT, reverse DDT thing that he, hit, he usually hits. But Kingston managed to reverse that into a trouble in paradise. Almost comes in to break it all up, though. Woods goes after him. He just chucks him out of the ring. Uh, and he basically batters Kofi Kingston. Styles hits the Styles clash. One, two, three. The final match, AJ Styles and Omos versus the WWE champion, Bobby Lashley and MVP. MVP gets a huge reaction. So quite rightly, immediately tags out and brings in Bobby Lashley. And whoa, what a reaction for Omos and Bobby Lashley having a stare down in the ring. And they, they have a grappling match. And Lashley actually tries to vertical suplex Omos, but he uh, stops it, reverses it, nails Lashley. Um, Lashley gets out of the ring off the back of that, confronts Orton, uh, who's watching ringside with Riddle. And as they're having a... Back and forth there. Income Styles out of nowhere. Running crossbody off the announce table onto both of them. Uh, and almost gets involved throwing Riddle into the barricade. Styles sets up for the phenomenal forearm. Goes for it, but Lashley ducks out of the way. Hits the ropes. Hits a spear. Gets the victory. It is going to be Bobby Lashley and MVP versus RK Bro for the tag titles next week. Post-match, Income's almost. He's not happy. He tree slams Bobby Lashley. He and Styles get out there, and as Lashley's getting to his feet, Randy Orton slithers in to hit an RKO, and the tank champs stand tall as the show goes off the air. Quite the reaction to Omos and Bobby Lashley, but uh, yeah, it is going to be the WWE champion and his manager effectively versus the tag champs next week. Yeah, I'll describe that as a suboptimal booking move because quite clearly, even though he's as green as a tropical tree frog, as mm. Fit Finley once said on WCW television, um, people are banging the Omos. Of course, these WWE fans of our age are going to love the visual of two behemoths coming together in the ring. People want that as opposed to that. And I'm pointing at the match graphic between Bobby Lashley and Randy Orton. Um, so this is when the sort of, I'm not going to use the second D word. This is when, if you cross your streams, 
between storytelling, you arrive at potentially a match that people would rather want to see. So, a bit stupid, this. And the matches were, yeah, the New Day that fought bravely, but for too long. So they, you know, lost. Of course it is. Good hour of my life, that. What a good hour of my life that was. About an hour and a half. Frittered away. Frittered away. Frittered away. <laughs> had a break. Had a good hour and a half to rest. Like, my sympathy was gone because they'd had a break. Yes. <laughs> It should have been so much more effective if they just had the guts and the creative nows to be able to put this in the show as one big thing. Because yeah, I thought the end was, you know, like one of the, away from all the very detailed praise towards All Out at the weekend, one of the most simplest was, well, sometimes you just absolutely have to give the people what they want. And the people told WWE they wanted some Lashley and Omos tonight, and you got a little bit of it, and it was great. And I think there's probably more of it to come, and it's no bad thing. Yeah like everything I liked about the very, very end of this was basically what I liked at the beginning, which was the crossing over of RK Bro into the title picture. The acknowledgement seemingly that this is what people want to see from Lashley as WWE champion. Not awful. Really, really not awful. But the matches were now to write home about because splitting it up killed the drama. An instantly forgettable episode of Monday Night Raw. Oh God, I, I can't believe we spent this much time talking about it. it it's three hours. You have to... Have <laughs> I've already given yeah. you my flakes throughout the podcast, so let's just uh, follow us on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Yeah, I want to do you guys lunch. I'm, I feel nothing but... I feel more sympathy for you than I did the New Day in the second half of the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's... You haven't taken a break. Like, you deserve this. <laughs> let's know your thoughts uh, on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamford at... Michael Hamford. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five star review on iTunes uh, as well. Watch you there for daily wrestling podcasts. Our NXT preview coming later on today, <sighs> as well as, of course, all the usual good stuff later on this week. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. <laughs>